Welcome to Wisdom, Love, and Beauty, a podcast for the soul and the home of dangerous wisdom. This is Dr. Nikos, your friendly neighborhood soul doctor, and we have arrived at our final contemplation of Yijing insights for this week. As we mentioned before, we have some auspicious potentials we can open up to over the weekend, but they come with a warning and an interesting synchronicity. Our main hexagram for this week is 27, which we've called nourishment or nutriment. And depending on how we work with our situation, it may develop into the relating hexagram, the relating archetypal pattern. And that's based on the single moving line we have. The relating figure always depends on the moving lines. And in our case, the relating hexagram is 42, which we can call increasing or augmenting. Now that sounds nice, increasing, augmenting. Sounds auspicious. But in the context of the reading that we've followed, we find a pretty strong warning there too. Because the key notion of nutriment that we've considered includes a recognition that all things depend on nutriment. That includes our ignorance. We have to stop feeding suffering, fragmentation, anxiety, conflict, degradation, and so on. We have to stop feeding the pattern of insanity of the dominant culture. Now, Yijing counseled us that we lack a realized capacity to do this on any significant scale. The main response from Yijing invites us to see ourselves as a nutriment for the world But when we think about nourishing the whole world, we we can feel overwhelmed. It just seems like too much. And we just might not feel up to the task. And Yijing's response for us was, yes, that's right, you're not up to the task. It could have said that we were. That would have depended on the moving lines. But in our case, we got the response that we aren't up to the task and that we need to stop following the rules everyone else follows and connect to our highest virtues and to the virtues, the best virtues of our ancestors. Now, breaking rules can sound a little bit dangerous. It's dangerous wisdom. But Yijing is not counseling lawlessness, crassness, or violence, anything like that. The idea is that if we follow the habits and rules of the games of the dominant culture, the games that dominant culture plays best, then we will continue to nourish the wrong things. We'll continue to nourish things that are not healthy for us or the world or the community of life. Now, Yijing indicates clearly, increase is coming. That's our relating figure. Augmentation is coming. But what? What will increase? What will we augment through our own practice of life? Now, this hexagram, this relating figure, 42, indicates that our ancestors can send us their blessings that the larger powers of life can send us their blessings. The rain spirits or water angels, if you want to call them, can send us blessings. We can tap into fertility and expansiveness. There's a lot of good potential in this hexagram. But that positive potential only arises in its fullest way if we diminish the causes of suffering and insanity inside of us and inside the culture. So there's a a warning along with this offer of potential. 
I also mentioned an interesting synchronicity with this Yijing reading. The Chinese character for this hexagram clearly indicates a household container and water. You can see it if you look at the character. In relation to the basic notion of increasing, it seems to indicate a household container that is filled by waters, maybe waters from a stream, or waters falling from the heavens. The idea, of course, in ancient China, that people would have been very familiar with the idea of going to the water and collecting water, going to a sacred stream, and receiving the water there. And metaphorically, it means the stream of blessings in general. That we can step into the stream of blessings. That our vessel, our cup, will runneth over. And it so happens this week that I experienced something that relatively few people in the dominant culture experience. I went to the sacred headwaters of a major river, and I was able to gather the fresh, clean water there in a jar. It's just like the image from the. Hexagram, and it struck me that so few people get to taste wild water in the dominant culture. I mean, I myself would be hesitant to drink from many rivers and streams because of the ways that we have degraded the ecologies we all depend on. A river or stream that once would have been perfectly pristine and safe to drink would have been wonderful to drink, would have just been refreshing. Now it, you might be running a risk for all sorts of things, whether it be toxins, or bacteria,、uh, other microorganisms. But these headwaters did feel safe, as far as I was concerned. They were bubbling up、uh, from an aquifer after taking at least fifty years to settle, and some of that water might even be glacial melt from long ago. As far as wild water on Turtle Island, this is pretty pristine. I felt very comfortable and very fortunate, just very, very blessed to be able to gather this water that flows strong, even though we find ourselves in the midst of the worst drought in maybe twelve hundred years. But again, the water is old; at least some of that water is at least fifty years old as it's bubbling up there, and it may be much older than that. They still don't fully understand their. Investigating it now, in fact, because a corporation wants to use this water. It's a bottled water company, and maybe they want to bottle that water and sell it, or maybe they want to make fruit juice drinks. But that company is, in turn, owned by a multinational pharmaceutical corporation. It's not even、uh, a company based on Turtle Island, actually. Even though the bottling company is based on Turtle Island, the international pharmaceutical company isn't. And so we can see the interplay here. This idea of the rules of the game. Here are the rules of the game. You can play by the rules, and you can go bottle water where you don't live. You don't belong there. Some corporation bottling water that should be the water of the people who live there. The ecologies that depend on it. I mean, it's wonderful that we can turn a knob and enjoy drinkable water. I'm not saying we have to revert to everybody goes to the river to gather their water. At the same time, we have enmeshed ourselves in the insanity that produces the bottled water industry, and much of our wild water just isn't safe to drink. That's a crazy situation, and fewer of us than ever in the history of the world experience. 
the wonder and magic of going to a spring and drinking that wild water. It's an experience of sacredness. And the taste of the water is incredible. You just feel how magical it is, this experience of drinking water. Drinking fresh water, just the experience of it is like a gospel, you know? I mean, it's like the water teaching you something, preaching the good news of the divinity of the world, the sacredness of the world, right there in your mouth is a sutra, a gospel, a prayer. And we don't get that experience. And I'm not trying to be airy-fairy about it. And nor do we want people hopping on airplanes or even driving hundreds of miles to experience these sorts of things. But can we at least return to it a little? It's like returning to our own sanity. Maybe you can't drink the water anywhere near you, any of the wild water, but you still might find it healing and transformative to go to a local river, stream, or spring and mindfully be with the water, make a pilgrimage to the water, be with it mindfully and mindfully gather it. Be acknowledged by the water, by the ecology there. What would that mean to listen to express gratitude. Now, this sort of little miniature pilgrimage would benefit you and others the most if you can do it in a ritual manner, as if it really did feel like an initiatory or sacred experience, really felt like a kind of spiritual pilgrimage. And keep it within your own framework to some degree. Allow the experience to maybe Loosen your sense of what the world is, but I'm not asking you to suddenly become a druid. But also don't think, well, I refuse to experience any of the mystery of life, because then it'll just be a mechanistic experience. But what happens when we relax and open up? What happens when we raise up a good heart and mind? You know, like the the intention here, getting in touch with our highest values, and saying, that's what this will be about. I'm going to go and gather this water, be with this water, for the sake of my highest values, as a practice of my highest values, as a realization of my highest values, and for the benefit and nourishment of all beings, for the possibility of seeing the true nature of the world, of myself, of the water, and you could spend some time meditating by the water, appreciating it appreciating how this water, which is absolutely essential for life, is basically given freely by the community of life. I was astonished at this. Here I was at the headwaters of a river, and it's just being given. The mountains, the sun, the sky, the rivers, all the beings who take care of the waters, they don't ask us for money. They don't send us a bill each month, each moment. And nevertheless, we may find ourselves in that moment of really experiencing that interwovenness and the deep appreciation, sense of wonder. We might find naturally within ourselves the sense that we want to nourish the world in return. The fancy word for that would be like an ontological obligation, ontological responsibility, some kind of responsibility to the being of the world, to the community of life, that we really want to give back for all that we're given. 
And we could begin by giving awareness and insight and deep gratitude. That could be what we give back, just to wake up to something, to see into the true nature of this interwovenness just a little bit. That's what the sacred science of synchronicity is about. Yijing is about how interwovenness works and how we can work with it. And so we, we can't just sit around and look at a book or listen to a podcast. We, we have to activate it in our lives. And making a little pilgrimage like this might really help you. I mean, it was wonderful for me. I, I th- think it was a marvelous experience. And I wish a lot more people could experience that. But if you can't drink the water, I, I never drank so much water. I couldn't. It just it activates your thirst. You realize there's something you're missing. And I have good water. I, I actually live. That same water makes its way all the way to where I am. It's just a little bit processed here. They put a little bit of chlorine in it. You can barely taste. You, you can't really smell it. I'm pretty sensitive, but it's still nothing like getting in at the headwaters. It was astounding. It's the first time I had visited those headwaters. But as I was saying, if you can't drink it, you might still gather it and then take it to a tree somewhere, a tree you know who you realize could use a drink or bring some of it to your plants at home. And depending on the water, maybe it's water that you would feel safe boiling to make tea. Now, some water is not safe to drink and sometimes you're not going to boil if it's been, if there are toxins in it, they might not leave as you're boiling you know, that's a steam distillation principle there is that the steam would be pure and the toxins, so you might be concentrating some of the toxins, right? So you have to know what you're doing. If you're not able to drink it, if it's not safe, then that's all right. And recognize that that bare fact can feel a little heavy. Now, somehow as we contemplate these things, we can make ourselves more ready to do the work of nourishing the world, nourishing wisdom, love, and beauty inside and outside of ourselves at the same time for the benefit of the whole community of life. That is as necessary as water. How we live our lives is as necessary as water. It's as necessary to the community of life as water is. That's that magic and mystery of interwovenness. So there we have it. Enjoy some wild water this weekend. Enter the stream of blessings. So many blessings come to us without any cost or bill, (laughs) but always with this question of whether or not we'll see into the mutuality, the interwovenness of all things. So think carefully about what you want to increase, what we must increase, and what we must all do our best to diminish. Think about what your soul wants you to nourish and how it wants you to nourish the world. And think about what your soul wants you to renounce. What rules of the dominant culture do we need to break in order to realize our highest values for the benefit of everyone? We'll have more Yijing insights next week. In the meantime, if you have questions, reflections, or stories of synchronicity, send them in through wisdomloveandbeauty.org. We might bring some of them into a future contemplation. Until then, this is Dr. Nikos, your friendly neighborhood soul doctor, reminding you that your soul and the soul of the world are not two things. Take good care of them.